We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. What's going on, world? You are tuned into episode 39 of Brunch Culture. I'm your boy, Randall Keith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Lisa V. What's up, world? All right, Lisa, kick us off with the weekend review. Well, this week we're doing something a little different. We know we missed episode... We know we missed our Saturday um, episode, so we want to do something special for y'all since so much has happened this week. We thought it would be better for us not to do a main topic, but to review everything, all the big events that happened this week. Um, the first one is our Mr. Ben Carson, the potential GOP candidate. And I just want to apologize on behalf of all the black Republicans on behalf of Mr. Ben Carson, because he definitely made us look bad. Um, y'all know I'm almost out the door of the Republican Party. Um, <laughs> I got one foot in Republican, one foot in Independent. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I, but my 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 card definitely still says Republican. But you know, stuff like this makes me just like oh, goodness. So he's on the news. They asked him. You know, obviously, homosexuality and gay marriage is a big deal um, right now in our country. And it's a hot topic, especially for the GOP, because in back in the last um, last uh, last four years of the Bush era, it was one of the things they ran on um, the whole we're against gay marriage. We're against abortion. So that's kind of how they they they're winning tickets. So they ask them, you know how do you feel about gay marriage of course he's against it and then they asked him do you feel like people are born gay and he said being gay is a choice um and they said well why do you believe that and he said because prisoners look at people who go to prison who go in straight and come out gay uh crickets what what how are we getting this <laughs> sir you are a medical doctor you are a medical doctor and that's what you gave us they prepare you before you go into this interview with the questions you know beforehand that this is an issue you're going to have to talk about you being against it that's fine i'm i'm against um uh gay marriage that's something that however you have to have a better way of articulating that that stance, and you just—that was the best you could come up with. You are too educated for that, sir. We give you—if we were on the Breakfast Club, we would give you Dunkie of the Day. And Charlemagne gave him Dunkie of the Day. You know that? Um, because <laughs> that was just ridiculous, uh, sir. What's happening? And I think for as people as conservatives i hold that that's my view as a conservative when we talk about same-sex marriage i believe that because i believe that's the biblical stance i believe that the biblical stance is um marriage between a man and a woman however when you're addressing the united states of america through the news 
articulate this statement in a better way. First of all, if you're going to take a biblical position, that's fine. Please preface your statement by saying this is a biblical position. And if you're going to argue that statement based on a biblical position, there are some things you're going to have to know when you're talking to your audience. First, in order to frame this argument, make sure the audience believes that the Bible is authoritative. Make sure they believe in God because talking about sexuality to an audience that may not have the same um, convictions as you is not an argument you're going to win until you have the same basis as for your argument y'all have to agree on some foundational things is god is god does god exist is the bible authoritative is jesus the only way how do you articulate the bible do you have a conservative view of articulate of um interpretation or do you have a liberal view of interpretation those are important before you start arguing sexuality since science hasn't definitively said whether can say whether it's a it's in embedded in the dna or not that means that your position is either religious or personal convictions there's so much that has to be articulated in that argument and that was so foolish to say that people go into prison <laughs> straight and come out gay i just was really like baffled by somebody that educated you're black, you're black, sir. <laughs> you're black. You and you're a Republican. You can't you can't be making stupid mistakes like this. You are no longer a contender. <laughs> Was he ever really a contender though? No, I just, but I didn't. Yeah. I I I think uh Ben Carson has actually said some pretty crazy stuff like even more crazy stuff before this. Um I didn't even read this as a I read the headline but I didn't even click on any of the articles because I just knew that it was gonna be yet another thing that Ben Carson has said to take his foot and put it in his mouth and every other black conservatives uh or black Republicans mouth. So I was just like, yeah, I don't even want to read what this dude got to say. But yeah, <laughs> when you brought it up, I was like, it's, it's really not surprising. And, and you would think him being a medical doctor, he would have not I want to say he would have because I know for sure, having knowing someone that is in medical school um, about the, the, the them learning about uh, clinically scientifically biologically what happens to the body uh when somebody is deprived of sex and so that kind of explains another aspect of what happens um in prison behavior prison sexual behavior it's not uh, i don't want to say all of it i can't say all of it again because then i this not this wasn't my research or my work but knowing people that work in the field and understanding that this becomes something that the the body innately has to do um your body has hormones we're sexual beings and so your body sexually uh has to filter through those those motions and get those things out and those things you know not being able to do it for so long it's going to manifest itself in some way um and so considering that as a factor and him not even thinking about that before saying it um i know on health post they actually posted an article and he kind of uh recanted a, a portion of his statements basically saying that it was poorly articulated and he didn't say it right and but again that's not the first time he's had to do that either so i'm not shocked by this at all i just I, feel like the i and i wrote the gop a suggestion you know they're not gonna listen to me because i'm nobody um <laughs> but i said can we when you for this cycle 
if you're going to run on this and use this as something that you're going to run as your focal point, um, marriage, the defending marriage, first of all, you have to make sure that those who are defending it aren't engaging because sometimes that's the case anyways um (laughs) or they're cheating on their spouses that's the number one that's a that's just a hypocrisy all together um but can we can we have some uh a philosopher psychiatrist a scientist and uh, if you're going to use it on a christian worldview a biblical scholar all on your team of advisors to help you formulate an intelligent argument because this is a sensitive topic you need to have an argument that's fully developed on your website and something that's articulated verbally because you know some people don't read video video and on your website in a, a strong articulated argument with scholars and research therefore you don't look like the donkey of the day um, like Ben Carson, and you could just say, "Hey, this is a sensitive topic. I have a lot of views, and I, I, the complexity of this needs to be addressed in a sensitive manner. And so, I've taken the time to develop something on my website. Here's a whole page with references, and I've decided to do a little video for you. That would be a better thing because it's too much work. It's too much work. What well, It's too work. much work." They don't want to win because obviously the country has is very much progressed uh, through this issue. And it's almost it's 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 highly accepted um, amongst Americans. So you're gonna have to come with some hardcore facts. You can't just be throwing out some stuff about no prison because I don't care. Because <laughs> everybody ain't in prison. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> everybody ain't in prison, and God forbid you go to prison, then you're gonna have a whole host of other issues outside of your sexual preference. It's yeah, it's this it is a stupid argument, and I think <laughs> as you stated, in order for him to make that argument or to at least be considered to to hear, um, for someone to hear his perspective, one thing that I always tell people. You don't have to agree with something, but you have to at least understand the logic of the other side so that you can defend your position. And oftentimes people don't do that. We don't think about what another person's perspective is, their point of view is. It's almost like you have to know your opponent. Um, and if you are opposing something, you got to understand where they're coming from, right? Rationalize where they're coming from and then come with an come with a position that is going to address their specifics but if you come with some something that's completely left field like why are you here nobody's paying attention to you you've wasted all of your time and part of their time because yeah you're not getting in the way but so beyond mr carson um i just thought uncle ben they rice Uncle Ben rice be riding though. No, because Uncle Ben's rice is the reason that I eat brown rice, right? I remember people oh, used to always say bri- in college. You know that? Brown rice, black. But you know, I thought Uncle Ben rice was right. white. They might have a white rice. I just know the the Uncle Ben rice that I always get is brown rice. I never really, I'm really kind of bad with stuff. Sometimes I just don't know the difference. Like, I'm like, rice is rice, brown, white, whatever. But. I used to buy brown rice in undergrad 
and I got it and I made it for the first time. And then I want to say like somebody else made some white rice and I just thought my rice tastes better. So now I eat white, I mean brown rice, but it has to be Uncle Ben's brown rice. If it's not Uncle Ben's, I don't want it. If somebody else, I ain't trying to holler at it. But Uncle Ben's brown rice is the business. The business, for real, for real. If y'all ain't on it, y'all got to get on it. Go to your grocery store and get you some Uncle Ben's brown rice. It's going to change your life. I'm telling you. Is that the rice they serve at P.F. Chains? Because that rice be good. Ew. I don't, I... Who likes P.F. Chains? Um, me. Oh, you don't like P.F. Chains? No, that's like microwave Asian first, cuisine. First of all, <laughs> at least I know it's chicken. That's the only. That's the only reason I know. I know it's beef. When the, yeah. I saw a meme the other day with a live cat in a Chinese bag and say what happened when your Chinese not cooked all the way. <laughs> <laughs> People are so ignorant. I'm gonna post that meme on Instagram, y'all. So don't get offended. Call Peter. Yeah. But we have other news. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just so. Kidding. In other news, um, we celebrated 50 years of uh, the March on Selma and uh, Bloody Sunday. And um, this is actually celebrated Saturday. uh, And President Barack Obama gave an incredible speech. Um, I didn't hear the speech, but I actually read the text of the speech. And, of course, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, People were just going in, CNN posted about it. Um, actually, even Fox News posted about how powerful the speech was. And, you know, the president Fox gets flack. Um, yeah, I saw I searched online and Fox actually had a, it was a headline. Um, I, I don't know. that It was, probably wasn't running on the television, Fox News, but they definitely posted an article to their website. Well, good um, Fox. Y'all do like black people after all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. But the president, the uh, the president is oftentimes um, scrutinized for not speaking on race or speaking candidly about racial issues. You know, there are the times that he he and he actually does it more often than not. Well, no, I can't say that. He actually does it when kind of the the he's the nation is kind of pushing him to do it. You know, after like Trayvon Martin, he spoke on it. Um, things that happened in Ferguson, he speaks on it. But I think he doesn't really go in depth with things and we kind of get like these blanket statements which is why a lot of people get angry and upset but this time of course for this you know this this event this occasion a lot of people uh just kind of committed him for his words and the things that he said and if you haven't had a chance to hear his speech you can go to whitehouse.gov uh whitehouse.gov and just search uh selma 50th uh anniversary and it, it may even be generally on the whitehouse.gov on the white house main website they'll post the le- the latest like big uh speech that the president has given so you can just kind of watch it there as well as read the text but there are certain things that kind of stuck out for me um i am always i'm truly truly amazed by language and how people can use words to say things and you don't necessarily get it but when you read it you're like huh all right, I think this is what they're saying, and kind of like promotes. Oftentimes, what we what we'll see is people are promoting another agenda that um is kind of like intertwined into the words. It's not very explicit, but you'll get to see. One of the things that the president said is a paragraph uh, from his 
his speech, he said, the American instinct that led these young men and women, he's talking about uh, the young men and women um, that are little known, that were the leaders in the, the march in Selma that uh, <clears throat> uh, 50 years ago. He says, America, the, the American instinct that led these young men and women to pick up the torch and cross this bridge is the same instinct that moved patriots uh, to choose to choose revolution over tyranny it's the same instant that drew immigrants from across the oceans and to the Rio Grande, the same instant that led women to reach for the ballot and workers to organize against the unjust status quo, the same instance that led us flag in Iwo Jima and to surface or and the surface of the moon. Now, if you guys don't really get that and get what I'm saying, basically the president has just used, just leveraged this event, this momentous historical event that has moved Americans, all all Americans. This is one thing that when we look at footage and we look at things that were going on back then, everybody can be emotionally moved and realize that this is a pivotal moment in American history. The president has used that strategically to point out the fact that you need to uh, support immigration um, reform, that you also need to uh, support Women, women's issues and um, equality of equal pay and just infusing those into those lines by mentioning mentioning those things on the heels of talking about uh, the things that the events of Selma, I think is just it's it's pure genius because people hear him say that and people even read the text and they won't necessarily get it, but they'll start to in their mind, make the connections of how strong and powerful and significant this event was uh, and connect it to the events that are going on now. And of course, that's one of those writing things that I've learned to just truly, truly appreciate. Um, But the president goes on throughout his speech to say things like, you know, the march not being uh, the the march not being uh, finished yet, us having other things to do. There are other things that, you know, when we look at the issues that happen here lately, which are Mike Brown's and, 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 and Ferguson, it shows us that there is still more work to do. The president takes this position and he always takes this position. He's very, very uh, uh, serious about making sure that we understand that progress has been made. And I'll even say myself, I was definitely um, sometimes can be found on uh, in taking the position of not much has changed, but the, the president is very adamant about us realizing and acknowledging the amount of change that has occurred since uh, the times of the civil rights movement and realize, you know, that we are as as a whole we definitely still have issues but a lot of for the most part we've definitely progressed apart a lot of things even if we just look at laws right like no one can like legally uh lynch a black person and someone say it's okay no one can legally say hey you can't come into my restaurant because you're black or you are latino or you're minority or even from the flip side a black person can't say hey you can't come into my organization because you're white like so for that in in that regard that we there's work to do but i just i i I love the fact that the president pointed out that as americans we criticize ourselves. I think that's the one thing that I just appreciate about him giving speeches on race is pointing out the fact that when we have these issues, this is 
us criticizing ourselves, me as a black American looking at America as a whole and saying, I don't like this. And so as I criticize you, I criticize me and I'm calling out an issue that hopefully someday I hope will come to pass. Well, we, we can resolve and we can fix. And the last thing I'll leave you guys with, which is something that I know people, folks from the South, old people from the South, particularly people that that uh, marched during the civil rights movement, when they heard this line, they probably went crazy because I almost jumped out of my skin. The president says, we're the slaves, talking about Americans. We, as Americans, were the slaves who built the White House and the economy of the South. Now, oftentimes people forget, people don't recognize, people don't realize but a lot of the wealth that uh, our white counterparts have was built, the generational wealth, I'll say that, we can't say that today, but the generational wealth was built off the backs of slaves, right? So when we start to want to look at other people and other groups and say that you're lazy and you're not doing anything and you're people or you people and we want to make this generalization as opposed to looking at the individual, what we do is we ignore the fact that uh, some people kind of had a lot of free labor and so they were like light years <laughs> ahead of time to do to things. A, a corporation with free labor. Exactly. I mean, I look here. I can building a snowman. I build a snowman because it was snowing, right? I, it, it's easy for me to build a snowman if I can tell two folks to get out there and build a snowman for me, and then I can finally take a picture and say it's my snowman. I, it didn't take me a lot of work at all, right? <laughs> like, think about when your mama told you to get the remote. Like, hey, come get the remote for me. She's sitting next to the remote. You got to come in and grab the remote and hand it to her. She'd be like, oof, I just had a hard day. You ain't did nothing. I gave you the remote because you ain't did nothing. Like, <laughs> like this ain't. But it's easy, you know, to kind of forget that you didn't really put in the work. And so. Meanwhile, um, people who are anti-entitlements forget that they were um they received the biggest entitlement with slavery exactly and i just you know and it's it's not i think that this this speech again this is not to take i'm not trying to take this speech and like divide people to say like oh you should be on this side you should be on that side but i was i just love the fact that uh that was included in the president's speech because i think what it says is that you know, that's one aspect that we kind of forget and we don't talk about. But those people that did that, those slaves, although then they weren't considered it, now today we have to understand that they too are Americans and they were Americans. And, you know, when we start looking at these issues and we kind of want to forget that people our citizens or our Americans or our people, we have to understand that, you know, it's not just those people. Uh, it's not just me that's an American, but it's those people that I don't understand, don't connect with those slaves. They, too, should be honored as Americans. But again, the president's speech goes and he talks about immigrants and says that we, too, are are them. And it's just there were a lot of powerful points where he made some great events. So if you guys. Well, I'll find it and find it and we'll, we'll send the link out. But you guys definitely go to whitehouse.gov and just uh, take a look at it. Listen to it. Listen to it on your commute. Listen to it after you listen to Brunch Culture. Um, and let us know what you think about the president's speech. Again, I think it was incredible. I think you guys should check it out. Yeah, I um, I think those were good points. I uh, The whole immigration thing is is 
is an example of what we call in marketing product placement in a sense um if you watch house of cards you'll see that there are no commercials but there are products placed all over the place shout out the windows right shout out the windows phone they all up and through it (laughs) so basically he just took the same concept and said let me infuse this agenda right up in this thing because y'all gonna be watching it anyway exactly watch what i tell you now like 15 15 years we're gonna look back and be like oh man he was such ahead of he was so ahead of his time he was nah because he wasn't ahead of his time he was setting the framework we we got this like yeah you see what's happening let's keep it moving (laughs) so shout out to him and and i want to shout out to uh former president president bush because he was there too yeah i thought that was good um bill and hillary clinton were there president bill clinton yeah future president Um, hillary clinton all right yeah we don't know about that yet you know ben carson ben carson gonna beat us (laughs) yeah right so shout out also to uh john lewis um, who was there? Incredible, incredible guy. I got the opportunity to meet John Lewis, and I was almost like on the South Lawn in tears because this guy, he is a a my historical figure, yo. Like we, he has no. I, I just think that this the guy could be walking around on clouds if he wanted to. But I remember it was me and my homeboy. We're both black. And John Lewis kind of like jetted through a group of people to come over and to personally shake our hand, ask us how things were going, you know, encourage us to keep doing what we're doing. Tell us that he it's good to see us out there. And, you know, he's glad he's proud of what we're doing and, you know, keep working hard and just inspiring. I was just like, man, you John Lewis, like you were there. You were a part of this movement. You were leading SNCC. You know, you were a part of, you are history, right? And the fact that you can come over to me and think that it's important for you to encourage me to shake my hand like I'm a celebrity. I'm like, bruh, I ain't nobody. Like, you John Lewis, right? And, like, you still doing, you're still working today. I just it was incredible i saw some pictures of him um and and people just hugging him and congratulating him and him shedding some tears uh at the event on saturday and i just it it just kind of took me back to that moment and it just makes me it kind of re-energizes me and makes me realize how much you know work that we have to do and how much i have nothing to complain about because here's this guy that fought that suffered that stood up and and him and all his greatness, he can still look at a nobody and say, hey, you're important. Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. I just wanted to introduce myself to you as if he needs an introduction. Guy's incredible, yo. Shout out to John Lewis because he was there too. And I just can't I can't even fathom how he felt to be there during the actual you know, time 50 years ago and to be here 50 years later where we're celebrating and we have the first African-American president and first lady. And I'm just sure that moment for him was incredible. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's amazing. You know, one thing that you said in your statement, though, um, you said you and your homeboy were black. I This whole time I thought you were Anglo-Saxon. See your eyes. I'm really see your eyes be messed up. I've been telling you now. You got to get the good contacts. You need to get LASIK vision. I know 
when I turn to the side on my left side, you see the sun is shining and I look a little bright, but I just want to make sure y'all understood that I'm chocolate. I'm chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Going into the theme of Selma, um, it's, it's this week, the department of justice released their reports on Ferguson and it's, confirm what we already knew mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's a pattern of discrimination um so those of you who don't believe in sy- systemic injustice or who were saying no they're fair um yeah the reports say otherwise <laughs> um there were some statistics uh, african americans experience um nearly every aspect this uh disparate in every aspect of the law enforcement system in Ferguson. Despite making up 67% of the population, African Americans accounted for 85% of the police department's traffic stops, 90% of their citations, and 93% of the arrests from 2012 to 2014. They were more likely 2.07 times more likely to be searched during a vehicle stop and 26% more likely to have contraband found on them during the search. They were two times more likely to receive a citation and 2.3 times more likely to be arrested following the vehicle stop. These are just a few statistics, but what really, you know, ticked me off was the emails they found and two were just like, it's just like, really? When they said when President Obama got elected, oh, he won't be there long because what African-American man can keep a job for four years? And the whole one where um, a black lady was getting abortion and they said that's crime stoppers. Wow. Just like, wow, really? Like, really? Yeah. Abortion is crime stoppers and African-American men don't keep jobs. When both of my grandfather's retired of 40 years of service one from the u.s post office and the school board and another from the um as an accountant in um the tampa electric i'm not sure what the the, uh what it's called but the tampa electric company um yeah and they're both african-american men so african-american men do keep jobs and they retire from them with pensions Um, and stock options (laughs) but you know I know a lot of men that are African American I have an uncle that's a general in the United States Army I mean he's had his job for over 20 years but um, you know we don't keep jobs though how long you been on your job he must have something else mixed in him that's what it is Oh, how long you been in your job? Because you know you can't four years you gotta let it go yeah it's coming up on my anniversary it's time to get up out of here yo I'm out. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> we just need to really go and thank all the abortion doctors because they helping stop crime, right? Yep, crime stoppers. Yo, so some other things. The Washington Post actually uh, posted an article, and some of the highlights they had like it's it's called Twelve Highlights um, of the Ferguson Report, and I'm just gonna read to you a few of these that are crazy. So it says from October 2012 to October 2014, every time a person was arrested it because he or she was resisting arrest that person was black um it also says that 
that gives an example of what happened to a 32-year-old black man um, when what happened when he was seen resting in his car after playing basketball. It's highlighted, it says, without any cause, the officer accused the man of being a pedophile, referring to the presence of the presence of children in the park and ordered the man out of his car for a pat down. Although the officer had no reason to believe that the man was armed. It also says that uh, the city's practices practices are shaped by revenue rather than by public safety needs, meaning their, their stops, their uh, traffic citations, all of those things are geared around how much money can we make for the city as opposed to we're here to do our job to protect people. Um, these these things, we can actually, we'll, we'll actually tweet this so I don't go through this whole list, but this list in itself, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, I don't even want to say, I, I, I tread lightly to say that it's not surprising, but I would be lying to say that I wasn't surprised, right? Because some of these things, like, it, it seems extreme. You wouldn't think that that would happen today, right, in today's time. But one thing I thought about when I uh, first was getting information about the report, I thought about how much of a slap in the face it was to Mike Brown's family. And immediately I felt my my heart just kind of went out to them because I'm thinking, here you are. This happened to your son. You don't have an indictment for the police officer that shot your son. There are a lot of questions. There are a lot of holes, a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of things that just did not seem right about that. But you had people ridicule you and say that you are race baiting and you're you're bringing up these issues and you're spewing fire when there's nothing there. And you're saying that your son was a thug and so bad and yada, yada, yada. And maybe there's not enough illegal uh, evidence there to indict Darren Wilson. But to have this same police department come under fire that he works for. He's a part of this culture. He's a part of this crew and a part of these men. To have it come out that this entire department carries this this idea or has acted in a way that has been not fair to black men and knowing that your son was a black ki- a black teen that was shot, that was unarmed, that that's to me, I don't, you know, I just couldn't imagine. And I just feel bad for them having to that having to be their reality, because it's like on one end, we don't have justice. We didn't get justice. We are hurt. We're wounded. We're unrest. Not only have we lost a child, we lost a loved one. But you guys are now telling us that you couldn't find anything to indict them. So we won't get a trial. We won't see have a chance to at least feel that justice has served us. Oh, but this report comes out that says that the entire police department is like not is like not fair to black people. They're racist. I just I don't know, man. I just feel bad for him. I was just like, you know, to add, it's almost like taking the wound and pouring salt on it and saying, "I look at it." Like I just I don't know, man. For me, it just it it it's really uncomfortable. It's really sad. It's really unfortunate. And I know that um, I've heard that they're supposed to be filing a lawsuit against the police department and some other things that are going on. But, you know, I just think at the bottom of it, it's like, hey, 
this comes out after there was no indictment, and we just kind of went through this whole roller coaster of emotions. The nation did, but particularly the the Brown family went through it even worse. I think it's just terrible. Yeah, my heart definitely goes out to them because that's definitely a tough thing, and I couldn't imagine, you know, getting that report and it's not okay. Yeah. Um, it's not so. I'll keep them in my prayers, and I hope all of you will, because this is not just a one-time incident. This happens all the time, and that's the, the disheartening thing about it, because, you know, there are so many other brown families out there right? Um, that are experiencing this same kind of injustice. So definitely want to keep them in prayer. And it, it's so funny, because Shonda Rhimes actually played this out perfectly and how we would hope for it to go. In the latest Scandal episode, if you are a Scandal fan like Randall and I... Yes, yes, yes. You know that um, every Thursday at 9 o'clock, the new time, that Scandal comes on. And this was, I think, when it really got real, this was not like, oh, this whole Fitz and Olivia kind of dance. It wasn't about that. It was about the real issue. And she spent the whole show on this issue. And I thought that that was really greater Shonda to use her platform to speak to the issue. Exactly. And I think she did it in such a, a great way. It was one of, the, one of the things where pe- people say art depicts life. And I think this was the best example of art depicting life. And I, I, I liked it for various reasons, but I'll try to hit some of the high points, right? So one of the main things that overall I love the show because it showed sides, it showed positions that aren't oftentimes understood, right? And we understand them in, in terms of extremes as opposed to the, the, the heart of where they're at and what the real it, the, the real situation and perspective looks like, right? So there was this one, on one accord, we got the kind of Black Lives Matter uh, uh, reincarnate. Like, this is what it looks like for um, people to be... <clears throat> a group of people to be upset about the injustice, starting to speak out about it. I think Olivia Pope said um, she was talking to the police chief and she was basically telling him, imagine if you saw a kid that's in your community, in your neighborhood that you know laying in the street dead for an extended period of time. Just because they don't look like you or they don't sound like you, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make them monsters. It makes them Americans. They're they're doing the same things that we have freedom of speech. This is what we do as Americans. You don't agree with it. You don't understand it. But that's what Americans do. Right. So you got that point. And which is something that a lot of people understand. So everybody knows from like the Black Lives um, matter movement and, and and all the other smaller movements that have come out of the events of Ferguson, we know what that looks like, right? Because you, either you got it from mainstream media when they were talking about rioting, or you got it from like social media as it continues to move on and things continue to happen, right? So you understand that. One of the uh, the, the most interesting things as well, though, is that we got to see she peeked into the disconnect from people that are actually in these communities day to day and the people that are outside of communities. So the guy that was the civil rights activist, um, I mean, the community, the neighborhood activist and uh, Olivia Pope, they're the discourse between the two of them. Basically, he looked at Olivia Pope and was like, hey, you know, you black Republican 
you're saying that you're standing up for black people or you're standing up for the community, you're not a part of the community. You don't stay here. You don't know what's going on. You're actually paid by them, those people on the other side, to come out here. And so you're trying to position yourself as if, as if you're advocating for us. And that's not really true. And that's something I think we don't look at all the time, right? There exists, even within people of color, <clears throat> there are people that are fortunate and less fortunate, right? It's kind of like this divide of class. And so sometimes you'll have the people that are upper class speak for the community as a whole, and they kind of miss the truth of the people that are lower class. And so I think that was just really interesting to to, po to point out and to show, to kind of show the different positions of them. And then the other thing that was just incredible was we got to hear uh, the perspective of the police officer. And I, in that moment, he became extremely human. And I think when we hear about, like, you know, the, the, the real police officers, people from police departments, we depict, we look at them as monsters, as angry people that just kind of want to go out and they just hate black people, right? And so they, they're just out to kill black people. But the truth is, it doesn't exist like that. These people don't hate black people. They probably don't really hate anybody, but what they are is they're human and they're upset that they feel disrespected. They're upset that they feel like they have families that they love and they go out and they risk their lives. And some individual, as the cops said, this little disrespectful boy is not respecting my badge. And so he died. His blood isn't on my hand. He died because he had no respect. He has no respect because his parents are teaching him not to respect me when, again, we see a disconnect because we, as at least I'll say for myself, as a black person, my mom never told me to disrespect the police. She always told me to respect them. That, that sense of urgency created a fear in police, right? And so that fear to them looks like disrespect, looks like discomfort. That fear to them looks like somebody has trained you to not like me, when in essence they've trained me to fear you, to protect myself. So it's like this circle that she she showed, and she just showed kind of like how everything works, but you really got to see that this police officer in his mind cared about what he did and it was less about that what that individual boy and more so about what that boy represents and i think that that's true to what we know about mike mike brown it was less about mike brown and wanting to harm him as the individual and more so about him being this thugged out big rambunctious black kid that's just disrespectful. I think that's what, when Darren Wilson said he saw a monster, I think that's what he saw. He saw this, like, this this re this rhetoric of a person that doesn't like him and that hates him. And I just thought it was incredible that she brought that up. Um, I'm going to shut up, Lisa, and let you talk, because I can talk about this thing for, for days. I got a couple more points, but I'm going to let you dive in. So, I watched it. Um, I thought it was <laughs> It was powerful. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the statement about the black Republicans just was so shady on us because as speaking for somebody who's a black Republican on paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on paper. <laughs> I got one foot in Republican, one foot in Independent. I'm trying to tell y'all. They keep, making, they keep making me mad because they get the mic to the wrong person. It just upsets me. But um, it just, I think, spoke to how people feel about people who are African-Americans and Republicans. It's kind of like this disdain 
distrust as far as African Americans. It's almost like African Americans would trust a white Republican before they would trust a black Republican. Yeah, they feel like a lot of people feel like the black Republican is like is a traitor. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily and I, I don't think that it's that we are traitors. I think that um I think that the the disdain comes in when you don't when you don't critique the things you see in the party. Exactly. Like you just go with the flow. Exactly. Without saying no, this is wrong and calling it out. When you call it out, then people have more respect for you cuz they're like, "Okay, you're not just you're not just a echo, you're actually a voice." And so when you call out the some of the actions towards African American community, you automatically gain credibility. Right. Um with African Americans. So I think that's just something that you know us as African-American conservatives have to do a better job as is critiquing it. But I think in at, on the other side, though, I think Democrats have to do that as well, because sometimes African-American Democrats just go with the flow without critiquing. I think my, my, my mentor always tells me truth has many sides. Right. So that means that wherever I see truth, I'm going to amen truth, whatever. If it's a Republican saying it, I'm going to amen it. If it's a Democrat saying it, I'm going to amen it. I don't ignore truth just because the person who's, I don't like the person who's saying it. Exactly. And I think that's what our problem is. When we see them as for Democrats, when they see a Republican saying truth, then they want to kind of like throw shade at them. But if it's the truth, say it's truth. If it's a, if you're a Republican and you see a Democrat saying truth, say, man, that's true. I agree with the president at that point. That's an excellent point. I agree with him there. I agree with him there. I fundamentally disagree with him here, but I can get with him there. And I think that's what the critical thinking goes in. You don't just just throw a person's everything they say away just because you don't like them or their their party line doesn't agree with yours. And so I think that just as African-American, that statement alone just spoke volumes because it's like, okay, there's distrust between African-Americans and the African-American community. I remember in baggage claim, it was in there too, when she said, and that's a, that's a comedy. She was like, when he, she was saying, dating the guy that was a black Republican, oh, I don't trust black Republicans. And so <laughs> it's like infused in the culture, like they're throwing it out, like throwing shade left and right. And it's kind of like us as African-American Republicans have to do a better job at saying, okay, when I see truth over here, I'm going to amen. I'm going to, I'm going to critique um, the things that are going on in my party and I'm going to amen some that's going on in the Democratic. That's essentially how you get credibility from anybody because they know you're honest. And I think, um, but it works both ways because sometimes black Democrats just go with the flow without critiquing. No, it's, we have some, we have these issues that we need to do better on within our party for the African-Americans. Cause just because they're a Democrat doesn't mean they're for, for African-Americans, but, and again, that's why I'm a, I, where's my <laughs> voter registration card? I. Cause I need to, I need to be I tomorrow. <laughs> and that's why I'm, I'm a, a renegade y'all. <laughs> and I'm not even a policy. I don't want to be a politician, but I'll tell you what, I will tell you, I'm going to agree with Democrats when they write, and I'm going to agree with Republicans when they write. I'm for both. 
<laughs> you can't be for both, but I'm a I'm a what I say yeah. I'm a liberal conservative. Right, a liberal conservative. How does that work? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm a working. <laughs> you working? You might start a new party, yo. The 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 LC party. Yeah, <laughs> liberal conservative. Go ahead, but yo, like again, if you guys haven't seen Scandal, check it out. Um. I think Shonda Rhimes, again, did an incredible job. You guys let us know what you think about that episode. I think the show was powerful. I've actually watched the show like three different times. Because I think it was... I ain't go that far with Yo, it was legit that good. And I was literally trying to dive into like... I wanted to listen to what... Like every argument what was saying. Um, And and I don't know if you guys caught this. I was telling my friend and she was like, I ain't catch that part. I missed that whole thing. But when Olivia Pope sits down to talk to David Rosen and he's basically like you know you've been going through a lot of stuff you know so much stuff is going on in your life you can't deal with it you need to take a break and she sat down and she started off saying like I thought I was gonna die and she's like for every day for a week I thought I was gonna die and like you see his face and he's just like whoa and it's like dang I'm like dang she's about to open up she's actually about to like use him as like her therapist and vent and she says imagine feeling like that every day and when that happened, yo, I took a lap. I started shouting. I was like, Shonda <laughs> Rhimes is so freaking on point that she basically said, you know what? Check this, right? You guys are you guys are connected to Olivia Pope. You love Olivia. Olivia is your girl. For three, four weeks, I'm going to make her be kidnapped, make you dive into this fear and uh, pandemonium about where she's at and we need to save her and everybody is just worried about her life and she admits that she thought that she was going to lose her life and I'm going to use that for anybody that don't get to think about how it is to for her to fear her life and for you to feel your own life and your mortality and say these people feel this way every day imagine that it was just like drop the mic you can't if you missed it after that 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 moment if you missed it like you don't you might as well not even be here because you ain't trying to get it like it was that clean i was just like yo this show this show literally it reaffirmed my love with empire coming up with how to get away with murder coming up i just feel like there's just a lot of things that's just been like fighting for my heart right this past episode yo look this past episode Shonda Rhimes, my heart just turned around and say, Scandal, just come here. It's all right. It's just me and you. <laughs> all this other stuff is, you know, it'll be here today, gone tomorrow. But true love lies with Scandal, yo. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed this week. We had this special edition Sunday brunch where we reviewed everything this week we thought was um that was impactful. We didn't just want to limit it to the two things. We thought these four things were necessary for us to discuss. And I think they're hot button issues that we're going to be talking about for years to come. But now we don't want to leave you without our random topic. So today's random topic has to do with chickens and sexing. If you need a new job and you live in the United Kingdom, consider the fabulous career of chick sexing. (sighs) 
just because it says chick sexer on your business card, it doesn't mean you're you're a sex worker specializing in bestiality. NBC News is is pointing out that the Britons need more people who can identify the sex of chickens. To they only have a hundred, hundred fifty people doing this. To identify the the sex, you have to squeeze the buttocks area and let squeeze the anus anus and let turds come out. This allows you to check for the small bump, a telltale sign to indicate whether you're holding a male or a female. It pays sixty thousand a year. Um, if that's not enough, it's not. Uh, yeah, that's nasty. I just feel like it sounds like they just want to give away money, though. Like you, and no offense, I'm not trying to talk about nobody, but you have like people that work as like nursing assistants or something and they have to like clean up people's stool and bathe them and they don't make 60,000. I know that they don't make 60,000. So like to determine the sex of the chicken, you're going to give me $60,000 to like squeeze poop out of their booty. What? Who came up with this process, yo? Like, is that not another process? Can we just not put them all together and see like who hump who and be like, Oh, you must be, or you must be, you know, like, I, I don't know, yo. It's, yeah. This, <laughs> it sounds like they just want to give away money, yo. But even if they did that, they would still have to identify, even if they were to engage in intercourse with each other. Um, That's funny because we're talking about chickens. Uh, <laughs> You still have to identify which is the male and female. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, put them down. Once you figure out, all right, this is how their process works. He hump her or she she hop on top. Whatever. However you figure it out, then you be like, all right, let's put them all together. Okay, these two get together. These two get... chickens, the same sex chickens. Well, now you. I don't know. Now, well, they ain't, they ain't been to jail. Now you just said that they gotta go to jail <laughs> to figure out if they're gonna be gay now. So you can't you can't them. <laughs> if they not in jail, then we shouldn't have that problem, right? <laughs> What do you miss? Y'all, that's our next president. <laughs> that's y'all next president. That's y'all next president. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I'm voting I. <laughs> y'all start, y'all find me the I candidate? That's where I'm voting. <laughs> but if y'all want this job, you know, I don't know where you apply, but Google it and see what you come up with. I hope and I hope you get the job. What do you think the interview process is going to be? How do you... I'll look at your hands. How do you wipe your butt? <laughs> they look at your hands. Do you fold the toilet paper or do you ball it up? <laughs> <laughs> they look at your hands. They say, put your hands out. Okay. Now, squeeze. Squeeze it together. <laughs> Hold okay. it together. Now, how comfortable do you feel putting your fingers on chickens and squeezing? <laughs> do you want gloves or you could do it without gloves? What do you want? Are you comfortable? Are you too strong? Because, you know, too strong, they might kill a chicken. It's a little chick. Cool chick. 
But um, yeah, if you want this job, Google it. Um, let us know if you get it. Hashtag ChatBC. Let us know. We would love to know. We'd love to actually. Yeah, we'd love to actually have you on the show and see like how that works out for you. I'm I'm not interested in learning about you know the details of how the process looks, but what's like the day to day of your job? You know, like. I mean, this is the I mean, it's a career. It's, I, mean, I would imagine that you'd be making decent money. So, you know, should other people look up to this? Should more people want to have this? Maybe me and Lisa might. You might. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. You wouldn't do like uh-uh. bring bring your friend no. to work day? Or, no. Huh? You wouldn't do like bring your friend to work day? Like. Uh-uh. I don't, it's some places. It's some friends I got, and I don't want to go nowhere near their job. <laughs> And this will be one of them. I don't care how close we are. Uh-uh. 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 Not today. Uh-uh. I love you, but not, uh-uh. We're not doing that. <laughs> no kidding. All right, guys. Well, we're going to move into this week's quote of the week. Uh, this week's quote is, one of the greatest days in anyone's life is when they come to realize that rejection is not fatal. It's just someone's opinion. Yes. yes, and leave them. Bump them. Oh, that came from, <laughs> that came from a, a very passionate place, Lisa. Was, was that? <laughs> you want to elaborate on what that was, Lisa? No, I'm just saying. Some people you got to tell deuces. <laughs> you know, I know. I <laughs> remember I took what I Random. about I that I. It's not the same. We're not in the same boat. Oh no! Well, we ain't in the same boat, but my ship ain't too far from yours. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, I we thank you, Kevin Cosby, for that. Uh, because it's about to get real personal. Um, we want to keep it brunch culture. Uh, so thank you for listening to this week's episode of Brunch Culture. <laughs> As always, you can go on our website at www.brunchculturebc.com and listen to all of our past episodes, subscribe on iTunes, and write a review. We've been getting some awesome reviews from you guys, and we appreciate it. Keep them coming. They keep us going, keep us encouraged, and they encourage other people to listen as well. Share this on social media. Also, like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash brunchculture. Follow us on Twitter at Brunch Culture and and follow us on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture. And remember, at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion.